I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Happy Friday to you and yours in the Pats Interference Podcast. Andrew Callan, as always, from the Herald. And now, for the first time in, God, I don't know how many months, a first-time guest. I am <laughs> super excited, not only because he is a friend, he is a UConn alum, but honestly, if I wanted to take off the rest of this podcast, I could because he is longtime experienced radio voice in the Boston market. Love listening to him in the mornings, midday, afternoon drive, at night, didn't matter. Mike McNancy, welcome, my guy. Wow, this thing, this podcast, Pat's Interference, what a fall from grace. You know, Brian Barrett, <laughs> Ringer, Jeff Howell, The Athletic, and now unemployed radio host heading into the Divisional Weekend, man. I am thrilled to be here. I'm a huge Andrew Callahan fan. You were a big part of the Football Fridays uh, on my show on WEEI, and uh, the podcast is kicking ass, man. Congratulations. Thanks. That obviously means a lot. I know I told you in your uh, last show that we did together that I listened to you, you know, end of my college days, but Jano was softened a little bit by me being in stores versus <laughs> just telling you you're a little bit older than me. A um, little bit. A little but bit. That's, that's all. So I appreciate you being on here. We're also going to do something new and we'll get to the Patriot stuff first. So Ooh. if people, you know, just want to tune out, I suggest not because we're trying to make some money here today. Like I do these ad reads for betonline.ag, still your best place and the number one source for all your betting needs. But I, I'm not here to make anybody money. You can do this as a veteran of sports betting and a lot of the angles. And again, you know, ATS, like people who know what they're talking about now are realizing that I don't. Like I vividly remember as a kid <laughs> picking up uh, magazines every single summer, as many as I could find, you know, NFL previews. You had Lindy's, oh. you had Smith and Streets, you oh. had uh, Sporting News, I think did one. And then I'd find one inevitably every single summer and open it up, and there's just numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers. And And it said preview on the front, so I'm going like, what the hell is this? And then there's ATS everywhere. I'm like, that's not the record they had last season. The Patriots are not (laughs) 6-10. and They went to the playoffs. So all the gambling stuff continues to basically go over my head as it did when I was a kid with hair. But basically, I want to have you on here. We're going to run down each of the divisional round games against the spread. You have a prop bet for each of them. So I'll have my two cents. I've done my research, some stats, but I'm going to lay out mostly and we're going to time us. I'm going to have five minutes every single game. uh, And I I got to tell you, you, people can hear it. I've said it already. I'm very, very excited for this segment. I'm glad you are. I think the magazine you're alluding to, by the way, is the old Phil Steele like college football Mm. magazine, because I I would buy that too before I knew what betting was. And it was all betting information. Looking back on it now, it was power rankings. It was like how to bet these college football games. It was Phil Steele, who's a legend in the business. But yeah, I got, I mean, I'll pretend to know, but this, there's no guarantee. Please put a warning on this. You're not guaranteed to win. There are no guaranteed winners in life. That's the reality. No, not at all. And and I do remember the Phil Steele because then I got to cover college football and I needed like higher powered glasses just to comb through (laughs) all the Phil Steele numbers because there's so much in there. It's incredibly rich. But GD, Phil Steele, like just get some bigger (laughs) fun. Okay. now I sound old. So, you know, we're we're even here. Um, All right. Let's do the Patriot stuff first. We are recording this Friday morning. It is 9.15. 
There's no official announcement about any offensive coordinator. Sean Jefferson, I can't confirm. Will interview today, uh, 90s Patriots receiver, played 13 years in the league, in the past 16 years has been coaching wide receivers. So another one of these ex-players from Bill Belichick brought in during this coaching search that otherwise has just featured tight ends coach Nick Cayley and Bill O'Brien. So I'm going to take a risk here, a la folks will, after they listen to this podcast and put their money down in football. I'm going to assume Bill O'Brien, who has been the primary target for weeks now, according to Tommy Kern. I can tell you is someone that there's strong belief among people in and around the organization will get the job. Then let's just assume he's hired. We could look like fools. Sure. I might yeah. have to do this podcast over, but let's do this quickly. Let's say he gets hired. Beyond being an obvious fit, what does that say to you? Uh, that a lot of it's going to stay the same, Callahan. Like this is not going to be some overhaul. They're not going to go to a super... 2023 NFL pass centric offense. So this is going to be essentially the real version of Bill's offense. Whatever last year was, this pretend, you know, stick together, Patricia, Shanahan running, whatever the hell that was, that goes away. They bring an adult into the room, but they don't completely change out the offense. Like maybe Bill O'Brien takes some different uh, approaches from a college standpoint. He had success at Penn State. Obviously, this year they didn't win at all, but they had some success offensively with Bryce Young at Alabama, but overall it's like you're a year late in doing what you should have done. It feels like this wasted a year of Mac Jones development, in my opinion. And it was really the only move unless you wanted to go completely outside the reservation and do something completely different, which Bill is not really known to do. This was it. So it's, it's needed. It's a year late. Uh, but it does feel like, Hey, we're going back to things we've done before. This is not going to be a huge overhaul of the Patriot offense. That's how I view it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's, you know, for, for several reasons I've discussed, and, and I know you have before too, just about the benefits of O'Brien. You know, he's a quarterback's coach, coordinated offenses, obviously. He could carry some of the old college concepts they were doing in Alabama, perhaps install them into the Patriots offense as opposed to every single RPO being a little bubble screen, which God knows we saw enough of those screens under Patricia. <laughs> but there's just, there's a sense of normalcy, I think, right? Like, I think they're, what, with the decision to commit to Patricia, there's some initial angst among the fan base. But oh, yeah. because of Belichick's resume, you go, okay, I trust him. And I said this on my podcast. I'm not ready to bury them yet in this last summer. If they want to dig their own graves, I'll let them. If they soar away and succeed, great. I'm not going to make a call yet. Obviously, it goes the way everyone expected. Worst offense since 1995. I think now, at least, when people started to turn on Belichick and you lose some of that benefit of the doubt... Now this decision earned some of that back with a fan base. And it's just a reminder that, yes, he's still very much in touch with the reality that the rest of us live in. And there's also a notion that there's some humility here. Like, I think whether it was Patricia or Judge or Belichick yep. to start with, the idea that we could just watch the Rams or the 49ers and implement a lot of those plays without understanding how to package and teach and install and layer those offenses, which have so many minor complexities that don't even come up on film was just pure arrogance. And look, they might have earned that on a larger scale. Belichick, eight rings, kiss them all. That's fine. It's just not going to succeed. It didn't. Now bringing a guy who's taught, installed, and packaged offense, the offense that they want to commit to the old system, I think that's the right way to go. Now, just, I, yeah, go I ahead. don't disagree with you, but as you're saying it, it is annoying that Bill is just so inflexible to bring somebody new in the building that instead of a, a new mind and try something different, it's a guy he knew, a guy who was going to cost them nothing. They still tried something different. He had no experience coaching it. I, I like to use the word arrogance because that's really 
what it feels like. But as you're talking, I, I, I can feel myself getting annoyed. Like, <laughs> why did it have to be this way? Because Bill wants his guys there because they don't want to go get uh, Brady or Kafka or somebody different to come look at the offense. Like, I, I, I just, it, it's, it should be annoying if you're a Patriots fan that you sat through this for a year and then a year later with some bad results, it's like, okay, now we'll do the thing we should have done. Like, I, yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think our buddy Tom Curran put it best uh, when I did TV with him on Wednesday when he looked into the camera at the start of early edition and they were asking about Nick Cayley. So this doesn't exactly pertain, but the sentiment does. I'm going to back away from the mic here, goes. They go, or why are you interviewing Nick Cayley? He goes, he was there the whole time. He, he was there. He was there. Why did we do this? And said the exact same thing you did. We all watched this whole offense for a year and it get better and it get better and get better. And I, you know, might sound condescending to some when I say Belichick's in touch with the same reality as the rest of us. Look, yeah. some of the conversations, or I should say the, the decisions he makes, um, you know, are out of left field and they land over the fence for a home run anyway. Like going against the grain has paid off for this guy. It was obviously earned way more than the benefit of the doubt. The trouble is obviously this one did not. And it seemed to be obvious from the get-go, just given how much these coaches work on one side of the ball for most of their careers. And now you have a guy who's done that, who will come in, who's experienced, there's a vision, there's a system, you can add different wrinkles, he knows how to do this. And it also solves the quarterback coach problem because as much as Patricia got a lot of the blame here, my understanding is it's judged, you know, not in a big picture sense, but in a micro sense, there were some issues with him coaching and how that was received with certain players. Mind you, this was also someone who jumped in with the wide receivers and the tight ends, as Belichick told us he would in the owners' meetings. And I've heard that didn't go so well. So uh, the, 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 the judge thing, like, look at the, the Daniel Jones thing. Like, Daniel Jones went backwards two years in a row with Judge Shore overseeing the offense and the, the quarterback. So it's not crazy yes. to think there was some tension there, Andrew, between the two. And I know it's your show, but I, I, I'm in this mode. I now want to interview you for a second. Why did it was as simple as, and maybe you and Jeff talked about this, you might have on your podcast Wednesday. He didn't want to ruffle Saban's feathers. Is it, is it that simple? Like, hey, Nick Saban's my buddy. I don't want to take Bill O'Brien for a year. I think when we have the Belichick Saban conversation about assistance, we always lose the agency of the coach in the middle. Like Bill O'Brien's a 50 something, 49 year old, whatever old man, he can make his own calls. Yes. He has a contract, <laughs> but if he really wanted to leave, he could make a mess in Alabama and come up to the NFL. I don't know if he did or if he didn't. I'm just saying that that has to be considered when we do this. Well, Belichick wanted this. Did he not want to ruffle feathers? I think part yeah. of that, yes. That was in the documentary. O'Brien's contract is reportedly set to expire at the end of February. Should be up sooner if he's here in New England. Um, gotcha. But ultimately, I think it was that. I think, again, it was just the belief Belichick has in Patricia and Judge, who I said on EI last week that Patricia is seen as like his third son. You know, and that, that's how it's treated. So when you believe in someone, you work so, so long with them. And Patricia's a very smart guy. Like even people who aren't as big of fans of him who have played under him or coached with him will admit, yeah, he's an ex-rock scientist and it's clear. You know, I, I think it was just misplaced belief, which over a 24-year run as a head coach in one place, you're going to have bad calls. That was one of them. That was it. What I want to get to now, though, is it's quickly because these names are going to fade into the background are Keenan McCardell, yeah. Sean Jefferson, Adrian Clem, and then Nick Haley. What did those names tell us about their search or tell you if indeed, which hasn't been confirmed or official or anything yet, if it is Bill O'Brien's the next offensive coordinator? I, I don't know. You know, I, I guess it wasn't really a search. It wasn't really, they, they named, they wanted to name O'Brien from the beginning. He was the guy. Let's bring in guys who have some sort of tie to Belichick, either played for them or coached with him at some point over their careers or played for the Patriots in the case of Clem. And let's, Let's give them a little bit of a bump. 
That's how it, other other than Kaylee, the other three guys from outside the building. That's what it feels like to me. The Kaylee one is wild. Like Andy Hart, who was you know, loving Nick Kaylee last year, that guy never got a shot calling plays. Now the Jets are interested in him. So putting Kaylee aside, the three other guys just feel like, hey, they're friends of Bill. Bring him in, get him on a phone call, interview, air quotes here, and then we'll eventually hire Bill O'Brien. It doesn't feel like a real search to me. Well, how about you? I tend to agree. I think there's there's a few more layers to it because if you're any of Jefferson, Clem, or Keenan McCardell, even if, let's say, you have a good relationship with Bill Belichick and are willing to do him a favor, fly across the country and do this interview and sit down, there, there's real valuable experience and then coming in, sure. oh, you yeah. know, to sit for an offensive coordinator job. And I don't think any of them have held that position before. In fact, they haven't. So this is the first time that they would be able to theoretically hold that position. You get grilled from obviously the greatest coach of all time. You reconnect, you share some ideas. I think for Belichick also, it's a way to get some new ideas from people that he trusts. And yeah, he might be doing a salad to them and, and they're returning the favor, but you know, I think what also lacked last year was the new ideas. You know, where were the new ideas coming from? It's not from Patricia and Judge who didn't have an <laughs> offensive background. It's not the rest of the staff that had either been converted from defense to offense. Guys like Ross Douglas or Vinny Sinceri, even though Sinceri hasn't coached defense uh, for a long time. But they're young guys. They're inexperienced. Like, you bring in Sean Jefferson, who, as I said, coached offense for 16 years. Coach Calvin Johnson, he's been with the Jets and the Dolphins, a coach against the Patriots for all those years. Tell us what you think. What would you do differently? How would you coach this technique? Keenan McCardell just developed Justin Jefferson the last two years. Developed Stephon Diggs in college. What can you do to help us and help Troy Brown and help Ross Douglas if they stay in these same positions? So the Patriots get some ideas. They get some experience. But you're right. I think all the reporting, which I default to until more recently, has been has been their primary target. This is obvious. It'll work. Ownership wants them. Belichick, too. That's what's going to happen. All right, let's fill in some names with guys that we trust that are willing to come here and we could get something out of them too. It also appeases the, the two line uh, press release from last <laughs> week, right? You know, Bob Kraft wanting to be in the crafts in general, wanting to be more open with the fan base after a down year. What do we do? We let them know about Mayo and full offensive coordinator search. Like they saw how bad the offense was. They heard talk show hosts, fans, whatever complaining about it. So, Hey, we're going to appease you. We're going to have a full search. And technically they did that. Three of the four guys are Bill guys or Patriot guys, but uh, maybe some of those ideas help because we'll get to it, I'm sure. The wide receiver thing is huge going forward for this team, and if they got any good ideas offensively at wide receiver, then it was worth whatever this was to get to Bill O'Brien. That's a veteran transition right there. That is a radio man for years and years and years. Yeah. Knows what he's doing. Great co-pilot. This is where I just might hit you know, <laughs> cruise control and let you take it the rest of the way. Let's do the last Patriots topic and then get on to making the good folks on the other end of this. Some money. Um, okay, Bill O'Brien's in. They reshuffled the staff. Some of them go out to Vegas, coach the Shrine Bowl. Demarcus Covington goes to the Senior Bowl. Great, the draft is coming up. We all get excited. Blah. Their next big move. Yep. You get to make the call. What is that move? So while the Patriots season might be over, football is not. And you can continue to bet and win money off of football at betonline.ag because BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season, next season, next year, for the next decade. Everything from the NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC and MMA and more is at betonline.ag. We'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends. With live betting options, jump into the second quarter, third quarter, doesn't matter. 
plus free contests and live scores, you can win money on almost any sport imaginable. Bet online is truly the fastest and the easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to the website today or use your phone and join with the promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to get a 50% 5-0 welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, that's CLNS50 to receive your rewards at where else? BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. I mean, you've been writing about and reporting on it. It's it's wide receiver and it's not close. Yeah, I was. I'm trying mm. to pull it up now. Um, I, I was looking at I, you, you and and Giardi had some of this. I don't know if you co-reported with him, but Giardi said there are people in the building that think that there needs to be an upgrade offensively. And I think you you couched it as maybe an internal debate, Andrew. Right? Like I, maybe some people think there doesn't be an upgrade. Other people, Devontae Parker, think that there's enough offense there in the room. There isn't. There isn't. There isn't. And to me. The trade market and wide receiver is key. And I just jotted down, there's eight teams left in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'd say six of the eight teams or 75% have at least one elite offensive talent. The Chiefs have Kelsey. The uh, Eagles have A.J. Brown. The Bengals have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Cowboys have Lamb, who's an elite top 10 wide receiver. 49ers have a bunch of those guys. Bills have Diggs. That's six of the eight. If you want to give the, the Jaguars Christian Kirk, I wouldn't. But at least they spent went out and spent money at that position. Evan Ingram, who's been a bust most of his career, he's played well in the playoff run. So that he's sort of borderline. And then the Giants, like, uh, the Giants are an outlier. They got a great first-round matchup against a fraud Minnesota Vikings team they advanced. But basically, at a bare minimum, Andrew, six of the eight teams left have an elite offensive player to pair with their quarterback. The Patriots don't. And the wide receiver free agent market sucks. Unless you like Jacoby Myers, and I do, but he's not a number one. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to get paid like a one, and he's not. They've got to find a way via trade or creativity to get a legit number one elite offensive talent. It's not even close. Make Max life easier. Take pressure off the other offensive pieces and catch up with the league. Like, I don't know if Bill Belichick recognizes how different it is now than it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Does he think that Mac Jones can elevate guys the way Brady did? He shouldn't think that. I don't think he does. I think he knows that Mac Jones has a ceiling that needs other players around him to get higher. So to me, I thought your, your story on Tuesday or Wednesday about the trade market for wide receivers was a breath of fresh air. They have to be doing that. And if they're not doing their due diligence now on Hopkins or potentially Higgins down the road and some of the other guys that you wrote about, then they're failing the organization. It's wide receiver talent. It's lead offensive talent. And it's to me, it's not a close second. There really isn't. Well, I appreciate you saying those kind words. And from that story, I got to learn, you know, not that this is ever the goal, but if you just somehow want to, Get seen online. Write about wide receiver trades because holy smokes, I file that as like the middle. Part. I, I love it. It's fantasy meat, football. Yes. The meat in the sandwich of like the Herald's five part fixes for the Patriots this offseason. We do it every year. It's like return to contention, return to the playoffs, just get back on track, whatever it is. And this story went nuts relative to the rest of them. So don't be a troll. Don't be overly happy. Don't be nostalgic. Just share wide receiver trades. And look, I I know DeAndre Hopkins gets a lot of the attention. I wrote about him, Keenan Allen's in that mix. One name I regret not expanding upon more is Jerry Judy from Denver. Part of that is not knowing what the Broncos want to do. They still don't have a head coach and what direction they see themselves in with the Albatross contract that is Russell Wilson. But that's something to keep an eye on for me. Not not reporting any of that. I just think in terms of the fit, the contract timeline, uh, the cost potentially, uh, especially if they pick up the fifth-year option, I think could could work out for the Patriots. But 
for me, before I even get to personnel, like you brought up a great point, six of the eight teams left in the playoffs have an identifiable all pro pro bowl talent. Yeah. Is eight of the 10 best teams by drop back passing. So no play action this year by EPA, which is expected yeah. points added. Basically how close do you get to the end zone with a third and 10 conversion matters more than if you got, you know, uh, 12 yards on third and 14 EPA says the, the difference in that 10 to 12 yard game. Sure. So eight of the 10 best teams that drop back passing by EPA are still in the playoffs. Okay. A lot of this could be said about, you know, it's a quarterback play. Uh, excuse me. Rock Purdy is still in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Jones is still in the playoffs. One of the teams that didn't make the playoffs and was third by this metric was Jared Goff in the Lions. So it's as much about the environment and allowing your quarterback to thrive that's what I would focus on here. What is the system? Can we give Mac Jones some answers that Sean McVay told Jared Goff in his first season? Every single play, you'll have an open receiver. I will ensure that that happens. That's how Goff rebounded, then got to the Super Bowl and is rebounding now under Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator in Detroit. So Bill O'Brien needs to decide what to throw out, what to put in, meet with Mac, get all the terminology squared away, and then get rolling right away once you get into OTAs because I think so many of the problems that they had were obviously internal, but they were kind of, um, it was an infrastructure issue. Like you, you can't work in a building when it's falling apart and you don't know have people <laughs> who need to yeah. fix those problems, which is exactly what happened with Patricia and Judge when you didn't know what the defensive looks were coming, yada, 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 we covered it before. But that that's that's my first move. Yeah, and it's it's all part of like upgrading the offense and getting the offense up to date with the rest of the NFL. And I, I still don't know, and, and I look forward to the reporting that you guys do in the next couple of months. Does Bill want to do that? You know, whether it's the trade market, which you wrote about, maybe they invest uh, again at the high part of the draft in terms of wide receiver. Like that's, to me, it's just a, a massive necessity to get caught up with uh, the rest of the league. Uh, I know DeAndre Hopkins would be uh, a high ticket item, a big ticket item. I know Bill O'Brien uh, obviously had a history with him there yeah. in Houston. So I'm not sure what type of impact that would be, but if they roll it back next year, great. Bill O'Brien's here. They re-signed Jacoby Myers and it's Mac and Myers. And it's like, what other than cleaning up a mess you created by name, Patricia, the coordinator, did you really improve offensively? Or are you setting up Mac for failure in year three, which is a huge year for him. Look at Josh Allen, year three, Steph Diggs, uh, AJ Brown with uh, Jalen Hurts, year three in Philadelphia, MVP candidate. Like it's, it's, a great it's pretty point. clear. We'll see if they're willing to do it. Yeah. And it will come down to cost. So I, I will say this as much as I advocate for go get a number one or find a new number one. And it could be, you know, any of the names that I mentioned and have written about. Yeah. It's, it comes down to price. Okay. A lot of the moves the Patriots have pursued, like a lot of NFL teams and decided that's too rich for us. And I think in retrospect, you get to see that after a year or two, but in the moment, the teams that don't make that move get crushed. And then the fans that are celebrating, sometimes it goes south. And I'm not guaranteeing that'll happen one way or another. It's just a matter of that's a hard call to make. And the clearest example is probably in a lot of these deals with the Celtics and everything they got turned from down from Danny Age year after year after yeah. year. Jalen Brown for Paul George, Jalen Brown for a year of Kawhi Leonard. Everyone in Boston is very glad those deals did not get made. And sometimes those are the best deals to steal from Danny um, that, that you have are the ones you don't make. Are you ready to make some money or help the folks? I'm going to try money? to, man. I'm going to okay. try to. I got a lot of free time in my hands. Been a lot, of, did a lot of work last couple of weeks uh, on this stuff. So it's been, uh, it's been fun, and it, it, uh, it's the best NFL weekend of the year. Whether you're betting on these games or not, it's the best NFL weekend of the year. The two top seeds are there. Surprising the Giants and Jaguars. Uh, I just, it should from from Saturday to Sunday. It's an awesome two days of football. Awesome. No doubt. And you know, I, I maybe surprise some folks that have not all in on the 
you know, betting and, and not on the, the head of the curve when it comes to that stuff, which is obviously why you're here. It interests me. I think it's a cool, different way to look at it. Has been for a long time now that it's been normalized and will be soon, I think, legalized in Massachusetts. Like, I'm going to take a yep. longer look at this and we'll do some more gambling pods. But I also will take another shock for the folks that I'm not really familiar with a lot of these teams and not in the way that I, <laughs> I, I would like to be because people don't understand that on Sundays you get so myopic if you're a beat writer or at least the way I approach the job, which yeah. is go in, let's say the game starts at one o'clock on Sunday. You know, I'm there between 930 and 10 game starts. I leave between, I don't know, usually nine and 10 at night, come home, might catch the end of a Sunday night game, watch yeah. the game over again before I go to bed. Monday morning, rewatch it, write up a whole 2,000 words on the film review. At that point, I'm really not into watching Monday Night Football. Tuesday is a half day off, start to prep for the next week. And then Wednesday, Thursday is rewatching the last two games of the Patriots' next opponent. So I watch who's on their schedule in a very small window. <laughs> I watch all the Patriots yeah. games. And sometimes Thursday, maybe it was with a beer in my hand. It's just not the full-on in-depth. So I've been catching up on these teams as sure. opposed to having answers readily available for any sort of fantasy questions or other, you know, questions about who to pick or who to bet on uh i just don't have the sense that honestly at other points of my life while doing this job that i knew the entire league can list off all these depth charts that said like i i mentioned i've caught up i have some stats let's get right into it all right so about five weeks ago in the dog days of the regular season we all know it's been a long year for the patriots i was looking around for a new supplement i wanted something to give me more energy help with the immune system with the flu and COVID coming back around, and I got to tell you, I found it. And I am so happy that they are now a new sponsor of Pat's Interference. It's AG1. AG1, what is this stuff? Well, it is one delicious scoop of 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's new. I just learned about them. Very important. They all help you start your day right. And this special blend supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, everything. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, or if you're dairy-free or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals you'll find in other supplements, and it supports better sleep quality and recovery, which is very important. We've had a lot of night games, folks. Perhaps best of all, in addition to all that good stuff, it costs you less than your regular cup of coffee, less than $3 a day. It's cheaper than getting coffee or any of the other supplements you might find on the shelf and have to combine them. It's just one scoop with everything you need. Plus, you know Athletic Greens is trusted because it has over 7,000, that's 7,000 five-star reviews online recommended by professional athletes and leading health experts. So right now, it is time for you to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water, or for me, a smoothie per day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash garden. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash garden to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. First game is Jaguars at Chiefs, 4.30 yeah. on Saturday. The Chiefs are minus nine at home. What has your attention here? And let me start the clock. As I said, five minutes per game, ready, go. I did enjoy you and JF Howe celebrating the Jags so much. On Wednesday. That was, <laughs> they I deserve to be celebrated. Both, Someone asked into that game. I mean, just a miraculous, it got lost in the shuffle of the weekend, but just, just an insane comeback to lose the turnover battle by four or five, whatever it was, 
and to still find a way to win that game. Embarrassing for the Chargers. Can't believe they didn't fire Brandon Staley yet. But we're here to talk about the game. Um, you said eight. You said nine. It's eight and a half for nine, depending on where you look. The total of this game, 52 and a half, 53. Um, the Jags are a nice story. I think they get stomped on Saturday afternoon. Kansas City got the bye week. They're getting healthy. Sky Moore is going to come back. Nico Hardman, likely not to play. But the big thing for me in this game is Jacksonville trying to slow down the Chiefs. So they played back in November, Andrew. You were busy. Your head was in the sand. You were covering the Patriots. But they played back in November. It was a 27-7 game uh, for the Chiefs into the fourth quarter. Jags got, I'll call it a garbage-ish touchdown. But in that game, they blitzed once. Their idea was let's sit back and let's let Mahomes make mistakes. 25 of 34, 306, four touchdowns. He was awesome. The problem is the Jags defense is still bad. Like they made this great run. They've been really good since then. They're 30th in DVOA against the pass. They are fifth worst in the NFL against tight ends. They are 30th against short middle passes in the NFL. That's Kelsey. That's Juju. That's Sky Moore. That's McKinnon out of the backfield. Like I just can't see a scenario where Jacksonville slow down Kansas City. They're at home. They already played this team once. They had the, the, the freshest of the bye. To me, this has all the makings of, you know, Kansas City 37, Jacksonville 17. Mahomes puts a real stamp on his MVP candidacy. And I can't sit here and make any real case for Jacksonville other than they're a great story. If you're a Mac Jones fan, maybe Trevor Lawrence is like the, look what happened to Trevor Lawrence, but he got talent around him. But this feels like an over and a Chiefs. It's a very uh, basic bet. It's a very square bet. People are going to make a lot of it, but I can't make case of Jacksonville. I can't. So I should say all the lines are courtesy of our friends at betonline.ag. So it is it is the minus sign here. Uh, yep. I The only thing that scared me about this, and, and some of these stats, you get into the small sample stuff, how far did the history go back? Because it gets to be more relevant. Doug Peterson, though, 6-0 and against a spread as a playoff underdog as head coach. That's Great dog coach, big. yeah. Him and, him and Rabel and Tom are three of the best dog coaches in the NFL. His offensive line's also banged up, though. I saw yeah. Cam Robinson didn't practice. Um, Scherf is, is banged up. So I, I don't... Their, their line was okay when they were healthy. It's a major downgrade now. They're banged up. And I think Kansas City gets pressure. And Mahomes in this spot at home on a Saturday afternoon. This is feels like Kansas City big. And you you hit it on the head. It's just their, their pass defense is still bad. And you could look at the first half against the Chargers and be like, they'll never play that poorly again. <laughs> the second half, you're not probably going to play better than they did there. So let's say yeah. the Jags play kind of a down-the-middle game. You know, the, the meat of the bell curve, if you will, of all the old the all possible outcomes. Sure. That's not good enough on the road in Kansas City against a rested Chiefs team, which, you know, again, small sample in terms of the Chiefs uh, don't cover, you know, as, as home favorites, whatever. But I, I just think they the matchup is bad. Their pass defense since Thanksgiving is 24th by DVOA. So it's not like they're really kind of catching fire. I think offensively no. things are getting better, certainly for Trevor Lawrence. If you're down 20 to nothing at halftime, it's a similar system. Doug Peterson's running off of the Andy Reid tree. I think defensively, Kansas City's going to be ready. The only thing that could swing this is red zone defense, of course, which everyone gets hung up on. It's your number one bullet point in any underdog game plan to go win. And I'm only leaving you about a minute here, but I think that's that could screw things up where you hold the Chiefs to a couple of field goals early. This is a Jaguars offense that if down 16 or 17 late, you could see march down and get a touchdown late to kind of with the late back door even if their defense if does some work early on in the red zone or not. Sounds like you're leading Jacksonville plus the points. I gave you credit taking a dog on Saturday to start this thing. Uh, you also wanted a prop. It's a very yes. square prop, but I mentioned one of the worst tight end defenses in the NFL. That is Jacksonville. 
it, it, the number is high. It's 79 and a half when I looked this morning. I'm taking the over on Travis Kelsey on receiving yards. He hit him for 80 yards back in November. Um, he's been an amazing run. He's Mahomes' number one guy. And if you want a longer shot, Noah Gray is the athletic backup tight end for Kansas City. I could see him scoring a touchdown in this game. You mentioned the red zone. Ooh. I could see Kansas City spending the time, spending the week working on the red zone, knowing that they got to score touchdowns, not settle for field goals. He's almost five to one to score a touchdown. So over Travis Kelsey receiving yards and Noah Gray anytime touchdown at plus four seventy five. Excellent. I'm also with you in Kansas City. Uh, I'm going to okay, take that. All right, gotcha. I, ju I just want to lay out all the outcomes. If you're going to lose or things go wrong, A, it's because that could always happen, but B, <laughs> red zone defense and maybe a backdoor cover from this offense. So I'm talking out of both sides Love of my mouth here. I think, Love again, it. defer to you. And there goes uh, there goes the timer on Jack. Right at five minutes. Like we've yeah, done right this at five minutes. Jeez. All right. Glad you snuck that prop in. I almost, to be honest, forgot. Uh, again, a pro's pro saving mirror. We're back on cruise control. Giants at Eagles. Saturday night, Eagles, according to Bet Online, uh, minus seven and a half. I'm going to go out here and say, I think the Eagles cover. I think it's comfortable. I think the Giants are a great story. They're exceptionally well coached. Brian Dable should be the coach of the year. Here are the problems for me. The Giants, as we know, are one of the blitz happiest teams in the NFL. Their solutions to all problems are blitz, 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 blitz. <laughs> the Patriots got the first taste of this in their first preseason game. Yep. The Eagles this season... First in the NFL, yards per attempt against the Blitz, 8.2. They are fifth in passer rating at 98.3. Jalen Hurts is healthy. The Eagles are rested. Lane Johnson may go, may not, may be limited, whatever. But that screams to me, your fundamental philosophy is just not going to work against this team. And especially if Philly gets an early lead and opens up all of the QB run game. Yeah, if you follow some of the, the, the betting shows and betting uh, prognosticators a lot of people are advocating the same sort of bet on sets kind of cheesy but like you, you play a teaser bet which means you can use six points either way people are saying just tease the chiefs and cheese the eagles because mm. they look like almost mortal locks to win by three and a half four points somewhere in there and you gave a great breakdown it's very tough to argue with what you said specifically the offensive defensive line stuff like that that eagles yeah. offensive line even without lane johnson has been awesome this year their defense this year, their defense put up 70 sacks, 15 more than anybody else in the NFL. They create pressure on almost every single play. The Giants have gotten by on saying, Daniel Jones, go run for your life. And yep. it worked last week. He was awesome. 11, 11 design runs for Daniel Jones against the Vikings. The Vikings are, uh, they saw they fired the defensive coordinator. They weren't ready to play that game. The Eagles will be. The Eagles saw this team twice. The second time, I wouldn't really count because that was a game where the Giants rested their starters. But in that first meeting, pretty comfortable Philadelphia against that blitz. You mentioned Hurts being healthy. How about Miles Sanders here, Callahan? Like, he, he's the forgotten guy. Like, he's, he was banged up here last couple of weeks. Boston Scott got in. Kenneth Gainwell got in. I think Sanders healthy off the injury list altogether. He, to me, is the key. The Giants are one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL. They'll be able to run the football, I think, control the football. It may not be a high-scoring game. But I'm with you, a comfortable Eagles win on Saturday night, led by Miles Sanders. And that big, the, the offense-defensive line mismatch to me is what sets the Eagles apart and why I think they have a good shot to be in the Super Bowl. And again, good underdog story, but without that elite talent, I, I can't, it would take, like you mentioned red zone defense. Every cliche, win the turnover <laughs> battle, red zone defense, couple bounces go your way. That to me is how the Giants are able to stick in this game. Eagles look too good on paper. I'm eating the chalk in these first two. Give me the Eagles. Yeah, and I think that's the way to go because we get swept up sometimes in the underdog and the great story yeah. and the Giants. And they went on the road and had the perfect matchup 
in Minnesota. And some people yeah. swung the other way of, okay, people in the public are too hot on the Giants. Let's stay with Minnesota. They're at home. It's just, it didn't work out. When you have games by that small margin, you know, where again, Dexter Lawrence is just destroying the middle of a Minnesota offensive line that was banged up and not really great to begin with. That's not going to be the case in Philadelphia. And no, I understand no. that the Giants no. won in and won against the JV team uh, of the Eagles towards the end of the regular season. It's just going to be a different ball game all this time when you have such a sizable edge on both sides of the ball in the trenches as Philly does that there's, there's very few ways to, to scheme around that, you know, one side of the ball here and there screens, draws, whatever. I just don't think the giants have enough answers, even with again, Brian Dable, my personal coach of the year. Let me talk out of the other side of my mouth though, really quickly. Okay. You mentioned Daniel Jones running all over the place. Sure. That is again, their ticket here to upsetting. Oh, yeah. the, Eagles. Yes. Yes. the Eagles have allowed the second most yards on scrambles this season half of which went for first downs. So those are, of course, not by design. You go, okay, well, 11 design runs like you just brought up. The Eagles this season allowing seven yards per QB design run, which is seventh most in the league. So I don't know how much punishment Daniel Jones is willing to take, but it better be as much as possible because with 30 seconds left here, that is their pathway to victory in addition to early lead, turnover, red zone defense, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's it. And, and I think Philadelphia, you know, fortunately for them, they have the, the, the players that can uh, make, make plays Minnesota could not. They'll be more prepared for it. They've seen them twice again this year. Uh, I know you want prop bets. we got 30 yep, seconds yep. here. Uh, I mentioned Miles Sanders. So he's banged up the last couple of weeks. So the box score does not look good in the receiving numbers because Gainwell and Boston Scott were playing more. Now that he's healthy, I expect he'll be in there on third down and on passing downs. In the first meeting they played, 18 touches, 155 yards, two touchdowns. His receiving prop is four and a half yards. Give me the over on receiving Miles Sanders at minus 120. He'll make one catch, 15 yards. You cash your bet, you win. He's healthy, he'll be active. Miles Sanders over four and a half receiving yards on Saturday night. Excellent. You got it in. Do you like the chimes, by the way? Should I choose a different uh, alarm? Can you hear No, them? I like that. It's a good timer. No, you like the chimes? Okay. Yeah. I like it too. Miles Sanders, a guy I covered in college for one season uh, at Penn State, backed up Saquon Barkley. Nice reunion there uh, for the two. Oh, of them. good. A little Penn State battle there. You got yeah. I like it. Excellent. All right. Best game of the weekend, in my opinion. Bengals oh, yeah. at Bills. Buffalo is a home favorite. They're minus five and a half. I have two questions about this game. Hey, guys, we're going to hit pause in the Patriots here for just a second to talk about something really important, and that's bedtime stories. Yes, the tales that had us feeling cozy in our bed and ready for a good night's sleep. Some of us enjoyed a fairytale ending, maybe hitting a walk-off home run or scoring a game-winning touchdown. So why shouldn't we have the same comfortable feelings when we try to go to sleep as adults as we drift off to sleep? Because the Calm App's immersive sleep stories make falling into relaxed and restorative slumber a breeze, bringing you back to the well-rested nights of childhood and hitting those homers and scoring those touchdowns. And I'm super excited to announce we're partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. For the last year plus, it's helped me reduce stress and anxiety through things like guided meditation. It helps improve your focus with curated music tracks and help you rest and recharge with those imaginative sleep stories can work for kids or adults. There's even new daily movement sessions designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. And right now, if you go to calm.com backslash garden, you will get a special offer of 40% off, 4-0, of a Calm premium subscription where new content is added every single week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds because it is always ready on long days or short ones to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. So for listeners of this show, Pat's Interference, the best-looking Patriots fans and smartest around, 
Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a premium subscription at calm.com backslash garden. Go to calm.com slash garden for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash garden. You can answer them or discard them, um, but both pertain to when Cincinnati has the ball. Can Buffalo cover in the secondary against Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd? And can the Bengals protect with an offensive line that just is falling apart before our very eyes? Because that, to me, is the whole game. I think the Bengals can move the ball against a slow Buffalo defense, but that's if Joe Burrow has time and is not, you know, wheeled out of the stadium because he's just been sacked 13 times in the first half. What do you think about that? Or what else has your attention foremost? Uh, a quick public service announcement in case any of the uh, Chelmsford uh, baseball coaches are listening to this. Can you move practice? My son has practice <laughs> at 530 on Sunday, which will be the fourth quarter of this game. Can we, can we get that move, coaches? Thank you. Um, it's the best game of the weekend. And it, you the, the second point you touched on, Callahan, is the most important part. All offseason, we lauded the Bengals for revamping the offensive line. Ted Karras, former Patriot. Alex Kappa from the, the, the Bucks. They're finally going to protect Burrow. Offensive line was not that good during the year. And now uh, their left tackle is out. Kappa's probably not going to play. This is a major concern. And I, I could see Joe Burrow. And he's done it now for a year and a half. And it'll make me look silly. I get it. He's going to run for his life in this game. And I, I think against Buffalo... If they had a healthy offensive line, we'd say it's a shootout. It's a coin flip game. Take the points in Cincinnati. But the Bills are at home. Allen's never lost a game there. The Bengals offensive line is really, really banged up. And I, I do think that there's that Buffalo is dealing with this is not a numbers thing, but a little bit of a, a Hamlin bump. I, I think that that organization right now is sort of on cloud nine. I don't think they'd be able to slow down Josh Allen. So the best chance is a shootout back and forth. How do you battle Josh Allen? When Joe Burrow is running for his life. And that, that's the one thing I, I can't get past. I want, I want to come on here and pick Cincinnati and tell you that the line moved from three and a half to five and a half. And I want to take those points and it's too many points. But I just think they're playing uphill the entire game. And the offensive line is the biggest part of it. And if, if they were healthy, I'd pick Cincinnati. But I'm, I was looking at this morning. They're going to be on two offensive linemen again. They're, uh, one of their uh, starting quarterbacks is going to be out of this game as well. Uh, so I... I can't do it. Uh, I'm on Buffalo in a game that I would be better if they were healthier up front. It'd be better. All right, we split. I am taking Cincinnati. Give me those nice. five and a half points. I'm going against the public on this Good. one. I think there are just, as I mentioned, more solutions available to Cincinnati, which had really been playing with a banged up offensive line. It was it was so-so in September, October, hit its stride November, December, and then starts falling apart health-wise. Last year, they got to the Super Bowl with some players that would not be starting for most teams on that right side. And so there's at least experience here. I think if Buffalo plays a lot of cover too, as the Patriots did and then got killed in the first half oh, yeah. of that game on Christmas Eve. The other part about this is not only to have solutions against, um, you know, very common problems that defenses are trying to pose, but I think none of the bills pass rushers really scare me that much individually. You know, I think over time, obviously they wear you down. I just see that even though the bills are a better team in every single phase, and you could do over the whole season or since Thanksgiving by DVOA. It's a back and forth game because a lot of the Bengals offense is let's throw it up one-on-one -on -one to the sideline and give our guys yeah. Chase and Higgins. And that's where you take out some of all the effort and scheming you want to do. It becomes a shell of Tredavious White against any one of those guys or Dane Jackson I know is banged up or Kyrie Elam. That doesn't take a whole lot of time 
three-step drop, loft it up to the sideline, make a play. I think it's back and forth. Buffalo probably pulls it out late, but give me the points here, man. I'm, I'm riding with the Bengals. Yeah, Trey Flowers is the cornerback I couldn't think of before. He did not practice mm-hmm. yesterday. He's been a great gadget guy for that defense. He's been a tight end stopper, but he came in and played quite a bit uh, down the stretch. He played some big snaps for them. Uh, I think it's to be a high-scoring game. That, the, the totals come down a little bit on this, Callahan, because like, there was mm-hmm. some weather in the forecast, but I – Again, we're doing this weather in Buffalo. Ooh, no. Check your local listings. Like it looks, it looks fine. Like it looks a little bit snowy late in the game. No wind whatsoever. I have seen Josh Allen put up a million yards. It should be, it should be a fun back and forth. Uh, we'll see if Cincinnati can slow them down. If they can, like you said, a one possession game in the fourth quarter, you'll feel good about Cincinnati plus the points. Uh, you want a prop for all these games. So yep, yep. Uh, I was gonna give you just Joe Burrow throw a pick. I think Joe Burrow's been running for his life. I assume at one point with those jump balls he's throwing, even against Dane Jackson, who they can beat with T. Higgins, he'll throw a pick at some point. Uh, how about both quarterbacks to throw an interception, right? Uh, you get uh, Josh Allen has been turnover prone as of late. You get Joe Burrow. It's almost two to one. So you can bet on both quarterbacks to throw a pick in a same game parlay at plus mm. 190. 100 bucks gets almost 200 back. Maybe a, a better price goes to a kickoff. But I think both quarterbacks have a turnover in them. Give me both QBs throw a pick in the best game of the weekend on Sunday. I like this. Someone asked me recently, I think ahead of the regular season finale, like, you know, Josh Allen's really, you know, throwing the ball around. Like, what? why Why is he doing that? And you could go with like, yeah, since he hurt his elbow, the interception rate. Up. That's just how Josh Allen lives his life. Okay. Like, so he plays. Guy, yeah, that, that's that's what he is. I think that's I, that's my favorite prop so far from you is they both throw a pick. These are yeah. aggressive defenses. You saw Miami go balls to the wall with the blitzing, which may have cost Josh Boyer his job. And he blitzes emotionally a whole lot. But <laughs> I think there's a way if you're Cincinnati to go, we can take a little bit of that uh, and and sprinkle it in and be a little bit safer uh, and hopefully get a pick from Josh Allen, who wants to play Superman. He is Superman. Most of the time it works out. Sometimes, though, the cape, though, is running low on battery, and then that's when you get the interception. All right, I, uh, I'm i really going to lay out here. It's Cowboys at 49ers to send us into next week and then the yep. championship weekend. Niners, last I checked, were minus four at home. Yep. I don't have any stats for you. I don't have much reasoning. I talk about I haven't been able to check in on most teams, let alone teams that are nowhere near the Patriots schedule or overlap with other opponents. I have watched, of course, the Bucks cowboys game, uh, some of the Niners, so I know haven't lost since, I think, uh, the Trump administration. But basically, my bet here, Mutt, is uh, midnight strikes for Mr. Cinderella, Brock Purdy. And wow. I think Dallas gets an upset this has nothing to do with the fact that my future father-in-law might be listening noted cowboys fan but oh, i sure. I, ju- sure, I think sure sure as much as purdy's in the perfect situation you go to the, you go to the system kyle shanahan you go to the all pro tight end george kittle all pro running back christian mccaffrey all pro uh receiver and debo samuel like this is the perfect situation at some point though i just think purdy who has a little bit of that josh allen superman in him and thinks he's probably a little bit better than he is which may have been a benefit confidence is great it just catches up to you, even though Dallas is down two days rest. Niners are at home. They're favored. There's something about that minus four that says that should be higher, and it's not. Yeah, it's weird because I, I want to just come on here and, and tell you, San Fran, I, I, I think they're going to – I picked them in the Bills in the Super Bowl. Mm. So I, I should be on San Fran here. But you start to dig into the numbers, and you start to look at DVOA. You start to look at how good the Cowboys have been. They're 15th offensively in DVOA, but that doesn't account for the weeks where Dak Prescott did not play. Yeah. So now that Dak is back, I mean, they they manhandled Tampa. I know Tom looked old as dirt on Monday night, but their offense was absolutely firing. And I, I this it, it's not that it's not an anti-purdy take, 
But at some point, the talent of Dallas has to break through. And I don't know if they win the game outright, but I'm with you on this point. It's a field goal game either way. I'm getting four points. So you and I are going to hold hands on this one. I'm going to be on the Dallas Cowboys plus the points. I don't think win the game outright. I wouldn't be running, rushing to, to bet the money line on Dallas. But specifically, their offensive defensive line should be right there with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Unlike the, the Giants and Eagles, where I think it's a major mismatch up front, the Cowboys are great on both sides of the ball up front. By the way, so are the 49ers. And, but that yes. negates one of their big strengths. And, and to me, Evan Silva established the run sizes all the time, like, you uh, assumption of rational coaching. So I'm assuming something that may not happen, but if you watch the Cowboys this year, and you, again, you've been knee deep in the Patriots, Ezekiel Elliott is he's cooked. And I feel like in this game from the Dallas Cowboys, they want to win. Tony Pollard is going to be the feature back. He'll get 60, 70% of the touches. He's a better player. He's more dynamic, better receiver. You can't run on San Fran. So I'm assuming that Mike McCarthy is not going to try to you know, establish the run and pound the football. So it means more shotgun, more Pollard, more CeeDee Lamb, more Gallup, more T.Y. Hilton, who's played a big role, mm. and more Dalton Schultz, who had a good game there on Monday night. And I think they'll get away from trying to pound the football, more of a passing game back and forth, field goal game in the fourth quarter, two teams that on paper are much more even, like you said, the four-point spread, and the rookie uh, Brock Purdy will see what he's up to. I want the points in this game. I can't believe I'm taking a Mike McCarthy team plus the points. I get Shanahan, but <laughs> yeah. I'm doing it. The Cowboys on paper are right there with San Francisco. Give me Dallas plus the points. May not win the game, but four points is too many. Too many. Yeah, and this could get away from them again. They're they're short, two days rest. They're traveling, all of those different things. I just, again, I don't have any reasons or stats. So I will tell you, I, I am aware about Ezekiel Elliott, and I think that I feel like every time oh, I've watched him the last washed, two years, that's been washed. like, yeah. We're, we're, why is this not reversed? You know, your your top back is Tony Pollard because I I actually texted the aforementioned future father-in-law and was like looking at that Malik Hooker. Uh, it was a fumble or interception return Monday night. It was like, maybe he should get some carries over Zeke. Like, <laughs> look at those moves with the ball in his hands. But I've given you like five seconds for the last uh, few props. Now I've just given you zero. Give us a give us a prop here, though, to, to send us out. Um, on Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, uh, I think his total, uh, depending on where you look, his total yardage prop is too low. So I'd be on his total yardage. I'd be on Tony Pollard and his receiving prop over, again, assuming – they recognize he's a much better player than Zeke. It's a winner go home. McCarthy might be coaching for his job. Sean Payton might be knocking on the door right now to Jerry Jones. Uh, give me Tony Pollard over in his props. Big game on uh, Sunday night. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. My man, the best. You also, I should note, did me a solid many, many times in your show of letting me get off a Celtics take or Sox take, (laughs) which is something that I expressed. Uh, to you once and you came through every single week and it's something that you know again is, is knee deep or waist deep or up to my eyeballs I am in the Patriots in season try to take that same approach to the Celtics and Sox you know part-time uh, helping out in the playoffs covering the Celtics I'll actually be at the Lakers game next weekend for the Herald nice. but you gotta keep your fanhood and fandom somewhere just to keep that emotional connection to the game so I love that it was it was great for me to show off whatever other research I had done that week 
Give us a take. Celtics, big win over the Warriors last night. Overtime, that was fantastic. Do you want to go there? Do you want to talk Sox? Give me one Celtics or Sox take as you did for me so many times. I could do either, but I, I didn't want to go back and forth with you on the Red Sox offseason because for the first times mm. we, we hung out socially, not at work. Yeah. I, I was informed that you used to live near Fenway Park, used to get tickets and go to the games. Like, so you're a legit, like, baseball fan. Like, you, yeah, you're, yeah. Going over, you're paying your own money going to sit in the stands. Like, I understand we, we I was not, didn't have a radio show to talk about this. So I'll talk about it now. We're celebrating Rafael Devers in the contract. The Red Sox had to do that. Everything else they've done this offseason, I don't get. They're one- and two-year deals for guys who are not top of the market. They're like these sort of like roster filler types. Like, I don't get the Red Sox approach other than we'll try to be competitive but not spend a lot of money. Like, I, I thought there would be much more trades. I thought that uh, a high and bloom would have traded some of his prospect base to go get a starting pitcher. Like, I have been big-time underwhelmed with the Red Sox offseason and don't get why people are celebrating so much the Devers signing when literally they had to do it. Bogart's gone, Bet's gone. They had to do it. They dragged it out. So let me ask you, as a man who pays for his own tickets to yeah. the Red Sox games, what are they doing? I, I think they nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 maybe I just leave it at that. <laughs> yes, that's it's meh. What we, are we doing? We, I think we've forgotten, and this is not coming out of my mouth because it's the highest priority. The first thing I'm about to say, but we we overlook what's been really a rebuilt bullpen. That was the biggest problem last year. If anyone didn't go six innings or even seven, which never happens anymore, you're going, they're going to blow this late. It happened time and again. It was yep. a ticking time bomb. That was the bullpen in 2022. 2023, even if Kenley Jansen doesn't work out, you have some other options there in the back end to patch up, you know, a, a, you know, a bad start, a five inning start, whatever. And I think that's a big improvement. The issue is obviously – and I didn't mind so much that they didn't invest as much into Xander Bogart. So I, you know, longest tenure player, captain, all that, certainly going to miss him. There's no power in the lineup. The starting rotation, I think, would have made a lot more sense if you got a guy like Carlos Rodon. Who knows what they bid for him? But it's just one of these moves where we talk about the Patriots and the number one wide receiver. You put a Rodon at one or two. It sets the rest of the rotation in its natural order. Everyone has a fit in those right slots where you're not counting on everyone to kind of move up a year and these mid-level contracts with these veterans and these cheap short-term deals. Sometimes those gambles all pay off and you go to the ALCS in 2021, or you win a world series in 2013 and Mike Napoli and Shane Victorino hit. I just don't think you can keep playing that type of style unless you're willing to accept your ceiling, particularly in this division is going to come down because that's where they are. This is going to be a 500 team. This feels like a bridge year. I'm glad they got Devers done, but you're right. Let's not applaud these billionaires for doing something they should, not only just to keep a team competitive and homegrown talent in home, but also to make the right investment for them. Like, what are we doing with the Devers deal? I thought it was a good deal. I'm glad he's here. You just wish they had like another power batter too, because everyone in the lineup is just going to be, you know, population line drive city. And that's fine. Those are great, but it's hard to get excited about the team. It's funny, you were just looking at the, the roster again, just to double check, like they, they, you're hoping Justin Turner bounces back. Like Adam Duvall yeah. hit 213 last year. He was terrible. Like, he I signed guess, last week or this week. You know, like th those guys <laughs> hang around for a reason, you know? <laughs> I know the guy available in the new year for one or two year deals, they were not sought after free agents. And so it does feel like you're right. A little bit of 2013, put this out there. And then almost sort of like the Patriots this year in free agency, right? Where we next year, We'll spend all that money when, you know, well, next year we'll invest. I just, after the year they had to, to roll this back out, like I, I'm sure Cora is thrilled. You better bullpen for him. They got Devers lined up, but 
I would love, love, love to have those text messages that Core has been sending with his players for the last couple of years. Two straight trade deadlines where they felt like the ownership did nothing for them. Uh, now this kind of like weird sort of lost our leader, but re-signed Devers offseason. I, I don't know. I, I'm underwhelmed by it. I expected more trades and more impact up front. There's still time to make a trade between now and, and spring training, I guess. But uh, I'm with you. They're sort of filling time, 500 floating team that I guess won't embarrass themselves. I guess the 2023 Red Sox, not the embarrassment were a year ago, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we, we got a C minus, you know, we, we passed mine. Yeah. Okay. yeah. We didn't fail. Yes. Yeah, didn't fail. Um, yeah. And that, that's the troubling part is just the context of the division, right? Like the yes. Yankees are spending everything. The Blue Jays are uber talented. The Rays are always going to be there. They're just the most infuriating opponent. Forget the aesthetics of their stadium. I never, I will intentionally just not watch those series that are down there in Tropicana because it's just, it's just so bad. Uh, but then the Orioles have the number one uh, farm system in the major leagues right now. Yeah. They have a great catcher. They, they're there. It's, they're it's on a the good division. They, their offense does not look like an American league offense. I wonder if Hyam thinks they're a national league team or something this year oh. based on the way the lineup looks. So I, I don't know. I, I'll be curious how many times you'll be texting me saying, Hey, I went to the, I paid for my own tickets this year based on how good the team is. We'll see. Yeah. It probably not as many as UConn, but we have successfully gotten through a podcast and talking to each other without bringing that up. You always hit it right in the head. And I appreciated that for a lot of reasons. Tough uh, losing skid here. One last thought on the Red Sox. Yeah. I'm a little higher on Justin Turner than I think everybody else is. And I think he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Like a lot of guys do. You've got some sort of very clear, a uh, physical feature that people take to the big red beard, man. It's beard, either red yeah. hair or a beard or a mustache. He's hit two out of those three. It's red and it's a huge beard. I think fans <laughs> are going to, are going to give him a little bit more of a leash than we most. And I, I am going to be one of them. And my, and my take will be, I, I'm, I'm happy. We're going to see 150 games of Tristan Costas. I think that will be yes. one of the more fun things about the CD Red Sox fan watching him play every day. Let him battle through. He's going to struggle at some point as a young player, let him play through it. He looks like your first base in the future. So get to see him every day. That'll be that'll be worth uh, some investment in this Red Sox team. Yeah, and any complaints about our Red Sox takes, please forward to at Chris Cotillo. That's yes, C-O-T-I-L-L-O. He's probably making slide. a soft serve ice cream as we speak, working yeah. on his uh, soft serve game. He wants to hear all of those, and you can maybe yes. find him at Yard House after and get him a beer during the <laughs> season because he's uh, he's going to need some. He's a friend of the pod. He hasn't been on. Mike McNancy, you have been on the pod. You've been fantastic, and you will be back definitely before the draft. we got a long offseason to go, and this was awesome, man. Literally, I have a lot of time to kill right now, Andrew. I, my computer works. The, this, uh, the, the, the hairline is thinning. It's a little bright in the forehead, but I'm here for you, buddy. I, I'm so uh, glad to be part of this. I'm so thrilled the podcast is kicking ass, and we'll talk in the offseason, buddy. Thank you.